Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey, hey everyone, we are back. It is the 28th of April. You know what time it is then? It's the time that I admit that I missed Hemi Day. 426. Uh, not that I missed it, I just didn't do anything for it because stuff, busy and tired. I'm especially tired right now because I got up at 4.50 to go watch the Azerbaijan race. And the day before that, went to High Plains for the Ignite track day and they were there with the Wounded Warriors Project people. So, And there was a lot of supercars because of that. So yeah, I'm wiped. I'm, and yet... After this, after this podcast, I'm going to go work out. So, it seems my woes of being tired can't end today. So, let's talk about the race. Let's talk about the race before we do the news. Charles, my boy! Charles! That man cannot catch a break. Look, I was disappointed. I was disappointed when he got his... What? When he got his his first set of softs just after midway through the race, and he was still more than 20 seconds behind on Verstappen or, or someone. He was not catching up to anyone, and I think he had a clear track. It seems like after Gasly, he could not make up any time, which was really weird because he was doing excellent during the first 30 laps of the race. And so then what, you know, what happened? I don't know, but I was very, I was very disappointed to see that he couldn't, couldn't or decided he wouldn't try and catch up again. And I don't even think he ended up... No, he did get the fastest lap, but not only that, he beat the lap record. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was more disappointed in Ferrari the as a t- as a, as a team rather than just Leclerc they totally screwed up the the, the strategy cuz he was look he was already ahead by about 17ish seconds and then when Botas you know when he got the lead and Botas was behind he had i thought it was 17 seconds it was about that much and then he started clawing it back i i i kind of understand the logic of wanting to have pitted or pit later like they did to try and keep the tires to keep the tire life good because unlike most of the front runners Leclerc was on he was on mediums he was on medium tires so he was doing good for a long period of time so yeah he was on mediums compared to the rest of the front runners and he, after he passed Hamilton and Botas he was doing fine but then his medium started to wear out and then I think I thought no Mercedes then Mercedes switched to mediums so what I don't understand, I don't know if they had another set of mediums, but if they did, why didn't they just swap him? Why didn't they swap Charles out for another set of mediums? I know it would have sucked to have been behind Hamilton and Botas, but at least he would have been third. He would have been way closer than he ended up being uh, at the end of the race. I just thought that leaving him out there, while understandable for a get the most out of your tires perspective, wasn't the smartest move considering Botas would, by the time he caught Charles had far better tires. It just, that was, you know, that was never going to be a winning battle. You know, and then they tried to, I think they, after that, they swipped at about lap 31, 34, they swapped him onto the softs to try and claw back some time, but Charles just never, he couldn't catch back up after that. I don't know why. I think, I honestly believe he was just way more comfortable on the softs. Uh, sorry, on the mediums. Yeah, that was disappointing, but yeah, I thought Ferrari's strategy I thought it didn't really make make sense. I, I understand why they thought that they could maybe claw claw the time back that they would lose in the pit. Um, 
after getting Charles onto the softs, but the pit, their pit was too slow, and that put him behind Gasly, and that messed him up for two la- two. I think it was two to four laps. It, it ruined him. I think having pitted after Botas would have Botas would have been the smarter strategy because at the very least, by the time Charles got out of the pit, he would have been a lot closer to to the Silver Arrows. So that uh, that ultimately, so ultimately that did not go as well as as they were probably hoping. Red Bull did fairly average. I think I think Verstappen was behind Vettel. One of the two were behind each other, and I don't know. I didn't really see a lot of Vettel. We'll get to him in a second, but Matt, there was just there wasn't really much there. There really wasn't much interesting going on with them. Uh, as far as I recall, Pierre was definitely the more had more interesting things going on with him. Now let's get on to Vettel. I'm getting really sick of Vettel underperforming. He seems to be really underperforming right now, and it might be a mindset thing. I don't want to say age, but hey, maybe he's all. Look, Raikkonen is really old for F1, and Vettel I think is getting older for F1 in, in terms of what's considered old in Formula One, but. It's just, he was way closer than Charles. He had been closer, and Charles consider, was consistently outpacing and, I think, showing him up. He, he's almost been showing up Vettel since he got in the Ferrari seat this year. It's been really disappointing to me because I understand that he's probably tired of, basically, and I, and I want to say playing second fiddle to Mercedes, but he's not on, he's not in Mercedes, but, you know, just being uh, outclassed, I suppose you could say. But he's not... But he's really, he really hasn't done anything yet to bring, to get himself, to stop himself from getting outclassed. He spun during one of the last laps of the race, I think one or two races ago. And I couldn't believe it. He's a, a three-time world champion. And I'm not saying that three-time world champions don't make mistakes. They do. I think it was after a safety car. The tires might have been cold. No, he was trying to chase Hamilton. And he got too giddy getting out of a turn. And he spun it. That, to me was amateur hour. He got too heated. And as someone who gets heated, even when I'm racing online, and I don't mean as an angry, as in emotional, uh, I understand. But again, he's a three-time world champion with much more training and experience than me, and he spun. That that was It was so lame. It was like when Roman Grosjean spun at this very track about two years ago trying to heat up his tires. The ma- No, no, a year ago. A year ago. I don't know. Vettel just seems to be in a rut right now, and in- I don't know if he's the number one driver at, at Ferrari. I really don't. But he's not hes not really showing himself to be the professional that he that he should be. And perhaps is. Um, and, that, and that's a darn shame because Charles needs his teammate. When things don't go right for him... Well, Ferrari needs their, their two drivers. Because uh, they keep... They're constantly terrible on strategy for Charles. And Vettel needs to make up for that because he, he had a better... A far better chance to fight... Both of them, Mercedes, Mercedes plural, and he had no answer. He had no answer for it. And apparently, I keep hearing that they keep talking about how Ferrari are so fast, like, like outstandingly fast. And I just haven't seen it. I have not seen this outstanding pace or speed that they have. Yeah, maybe for, compared to the last year or two ago, but Mercedes is still. I don't. I don't understand why everyone's. They're kind of overhyping Ferrari. Like, wow. It, it's like, well, they're going to be the new gods in Formula One now. Goodbye, Mercedes. And Mercedes are still very tough competitors, very worthy adversaries for Ferrari. For Ferrari. So what? And I don't know if Ferrari's arrogant right now, but they're they got to get their heads on straight. They're they're messing up, and Charles should not be having the, these kinds of strategy issues he's having. But to be fair, Ferrari have constantly been outsmarted by Mercedes 
perhaps for even longer than I remember, but definitely since the last two years since I started watching consistently. But yeah, Vettel needs to step it up because he's he's under he's underperforming. You know, Vettel is performing the way Botas was. Botas, I keep saying it wrong. The way Botas was last year, maybe even when he first got in the Mercedes seat uh, two years ago, he is underperforming. You know, Vettel is under is underperforming like like Botas was back then. Because Botas, Botas was fast, but he wasn't. He was no one would call him a number one driver. He got points, yes, but he was not a number one driver. Now he is an equal competitor to Hamilton easily. But now Vettel is pulling a Valtteri and just not performing the way that he should. And Charles is making a few mistakes here and there. You know, it's his first year in a faster car, but. When he's not making mistakes, when he's on it, he's outclassing him most of the time. But he's hampered by Ferrari. So enough about Ferrari and top two groups. What about midfield? Well, not a lot of midfield stuff was covered from the provide from the. I think I was watching Sky Sports F1. Um, Daniel, ugh. I really hope he finds some success with Reynolds. But you know, at this moment, I just can't. I can't say I'm surprised. He's struggling. I thought when he left Red Bull, they had Renault powertrain, and they were having problems. And yet, he Daniel went to full Renault. Why? You know, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand why he went from a Renault-powered car to a completely Renault car. With, obviously, a Renault engine in it. That it, it I don't know what the, what the logic was there, and he seems to be having problems again. And, you know, all, all I can think of right now is <sighs> Alfa Romeo are doing kind of meh. I think they have a good car, it's just their drivers are uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, kind of um, just not really an outstanding driver. Haas, or Haas, depending on who you ask. Uh, obviously, they're meh. Especially with Roman Grosjean, just typical meh, Haas problems. Force India or the Racing Point, I think they are now. Once again, meh. No one, none of the midfield teams were really that amazing this race. No one was really, uh, as far as I saw, no one was really doing all that much in the midfield. Uh and so at this point, you might expect him, might be expecting me to say that Daniel should have stayed. I disagree. I don't think he should have stayed because Gasly. Oh yeah, because Gasly isn't the one that isn't the one that Daniel ran into. Anyway, Gasly had his own problems in the car, and he's done. He's actually doing better. I criticized him. Uh, I think in an earlier podcast, in fact, that he was a very midfield driver. Okay. He was kind of midfield for the top teams, though. I think sixth, right racing right around seventh. Again, not incredible, but he's doing better. But then his car uh, took a dump. It just died. And this is what I don't understand. Why can't Red Bull get their second get their second car to work as flaw as near fall, flawlessly as Max's car? I don't know if I, I hate to say this, but I don't know if his dad is putting you know. Putting extra money there, like putting his own money to make sure the car works or what it or whatever it is, but 
you know, even though I think Daniel going, I do believe Daniel going to Renault is a mistake. I think staying with Red Bull would have equally been a mistake because the car, his car, his Red Bull, I think has been bad for the last two years. So it wouldn't, it, it was a, it was a good decision to move from Red Bull. And it seems like his decision to leave has been relatively justified in that Pierre Gasly's car has been a bit of a problem child as of late. Although to be fair, uh, the you know the last few races he's just been a bit slow, uh, but now this time when he actually has a good good deal of pace, it breaks. But while leaving, you know, however, while leaving Red Bull was a good choice, moving over to Red Bull, sorry Renault, moving over to Renault, not so much. But, you know, of course, there's the other question. Where would he have gone? Oh, and I forgot about McLaren. McLaren, eh. eh once again, no, no one was really that amazing this race this time for the very midfield. But, you know, he he's seen how Fernando got on with his McLaren. And, in fact, he had, he DNF'd at least nearly, as many, you know, three quarters as many times as, uh, as Fernando did, so it may, you know it, it does make sense why he definitely wouldn't have gone to them. But I don't know where he would have gone because I think Charles was slated to go for Ferrari, so he couldn't do that unless he bumped Sebastian off his spot. Valtteri, I think, still has his contract, so he has to stay with Mercedes. Hamilton, same thing. Hel- Hamilton's not going to leave. <laughs> we all know this. Hamilton is not going to leave Mercedes. He's doing good. The Mercedes—they're the top team. Bar none, he's not gonna leave, he's not gonna leave the winning team. That's just not gonna happen. And they're not. And even if he were, Mercedes aren't gonna let him go. It's a two-way relationship right now. Hamilton does not want to leave from the w- winningest team, not in in their entirety, but of the last few seasons by far. And Mercedes aren't gonna leave their easily their best driver. Or at the very least, nearly their best driver. And I say nearly because at this rate, it, Valtteri might be almost tied with Hamilton. But yeah, um, so Daniel, it's a question of if he didn't go to Renault, who did he have another offer for? Where would he have gone? Considering how the midfield teams are getting on, McLaren maybe would have been a good-ish option or a good alternative, I suppose. For as much as... Renault are having problems with their cars. Who else is doing better? I mean, yeah, the some of the Haas cars, Haas, I should, I should just say Haas, some of the Haas cars, Kevin Magnussen, for example, are actually finishing races. They're actually finishing their races, but not as fast as the Renault. They're not as fast as the Renault guys. So, yeah, they're finishing, which is great, but they're not as fast. So there, there is a trade-off there. Racing Point, formerly Force India, they're, they're competitive. I believe they're competitive with with Renault and they seem to be doing okay. I don't think if Renault got their act straight, they'd be faster than Force India, but I don't think in terms of consistency, I do believe that Force India are doing better. Toro Rosso, they're doing okay. I think they're kind of down there with Haas. They're kind of down there with Sauber. So they're more back markers than midfield. Yeah, overall, everything it's still kind of muddy this season. I think nothing's outside of Mercedes being once again dominant and Ferrari being fast in almost in full amateur hour. Nothing's all that clear yet. Renault, if there's 
if there is one thing, or if there are three things that are clear, it's this. Again, Mercedes are dominant, Ferrari are fast, Daniel may or may not be regretting his choice going to Renault at this very moment. Those are the three things that are clear to me at this moment. Oh, four, the fourth. Haas are uh, still slow, still back markers. Uh, that hasn't changed. Um, but Pierre's getting faster, so his capability as a driver and perhaps teammate is in question right now. Renault still in question because they've they've had unreliability issues right now, but we I don't think we've really got to see what they could do when they're in their when they're in their stride yet. So that that's in question. Max he's been doing pretty good. Charles again. Oh wait, no, that I already said that. Anyway, um, Toro Rosso haven't been paying too much attention to them. Alfa Romeo, they seem to be doing good-ish, but yeah, at this moment, I think it's just too early for Antonio. Before it's too early to make any. He seems slow-ish to me, but he might get faster as the season or series goes on. We'll just have to see how that. We'll have to wait and see how that how that plays out. Oh, and then you have Lance Stroll, who yeah, Lance Stroll. I mean. The thing about Lance is they were saying, oh, these new drivers in F1, you know, they're the next generation. Max has been the only one to really... He's the only one that's really... Sergio Perez, I think he's a, he was a new guy for a while. He's doing better. Sergio Perez is doing better, as is Hulkenberg. Lance Stroll, on the other hand, oh, no. He's not really making any, any headlines anymore. Not like when he joined the sport, I believe, back in 2016. Yeah, it's, just, it's not the same. He's definitely not... I don't know, it's, he's, he's, it's almost like he's capable, but not. You know, he's fast enough to drive the car and not get in the other driver's way, but nowhere near this next-generation hotshot that they were making him out to be um, back when we had the old commentators for F1. And we had Will Buxton in the pits. Wish, I could, wish, wish he was still there. He was great. Stop. So the race was less eventful than we were all expecting, I think, and far less safety cars, I think, than we were all expecting there as well. Um, I don't know what the next race is. I'll have to look. But yeah, it was pretty good. Anyway, I'm going to have to stop here. I will see you all after the break. We'll be getting onto the news after this. Did you know Cody does more than just tell the news? He's writing articles on cars as well. Be sure to check him out on Mopar Insiders at http colon forward slash forward slash www.moparinsiders.com. And on Drive Tribe at http colon forward slash forward slash www.drivetribe.com. Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. We're back, and I forgot to mention that, uh, yeah, Daniel, I think I think it was Grosjean, but he, out, he was trying to outbreak Grosjean into a turn. He kind of took Grosjean off the track with him, and then he backed into him trying to get back out as fast as possible. So it's not like Daniel is un infallible. Not that I think all of his problems are external, because frankly that movie did was... He, he done goofed up. He really done... Sorry. He really done goofed up with that, with that maneuver. You might have heard some funny news about Mercedes and Kim Jong-un. Well, apparently, this guy has a Mercedes S600 Pullman. And Mercedes are freaking out because they're like, how the mess did this guy get one of our limos? We never sold it to him. In fact, you're not even, I think they're not even allowed to sell cars to Korea for a lot of reasons. So everyone's wondering, well, how the mess did they, how the mess did he get this Mercedes? What, what happened? Mercedes, I suppose, doesn't want to be associated with 
Kim Jong Un, or at the very least, they don't want to, uh, they don't want their image to be tainted, which makes sense. And I'm on this Drive Tribe article, and at the very bottom there's a poll, and it says, should Kim Jong Un give back these cars? Apparently he has a few other cars, I guess. But anyway, you know, it was asking, should he give back these cars? Okay, here's what I don't understand. Why are Mercedes freaking out as much as they are? Unless they sold, unless they sold this S600 limo, an old one at that, through one of their authorized official dealers to him, or to someone that, that sent this Mercedes to him, then yes, they are responsible for the car, and they have accidentally sent a car to North Korea, of which that means they've broken an, uh, an ex, I think it's an export agreement? Apparently, the Associated Press got this little excerpt from Daimler. I'm actually not quite par I'm not paraphrasing, I'm quoting. The sale of luxury goods, including limousines, is banned under UN sanctions intended to put pressure on North Korea to abandon its nuclear weapons. And also, by the way, this art article was done by Marcus Boothby. I'm really sorry if I got your name wrong. But they're the owner of the Second Gear Tribe, uh, to make things a little bit easier. But yeah, they're the owner of the... Leader, sorry, leader of the Second Gear Tribe. Yeah, so given given those sanctions and all that, unless unless they sold this Mercedes to them through an official authorized Mercedes dealer in either Russia or China, they're not responsible for this car. If the North Korean guards or the car broker or whatever got their hand on this vehicle through something akin to a family-owned dealership in China or Russia, then I'm sorry, they're, that's, they're not responsible for that. Mercedes is not responsible for that because the car is not in their hands. They, Mercedes did not sell the car to the leader of North Korea. And even if it's through something like a shop BMW or, uh, or, or what's that Dodge dealer in Cherry Creek? Almost Cherry Creek. Well, Cherry Creek, or like a late Larry H. Miller Dodge. Like a, like a family-owned, not family-owned, but uh, what, what would you call those? Because they're kind of corporate dealerships, but not... You know, but anyway, those dealerships, whether you have a Champ BMW, a Larry H. Miller Dodge, you know, someone with a spokesperson and it's their dealership, then who, you know, then who's responsible? Well, I still don't think Mercedes would be responsible there. Yes, it's a Mercedes dealership, but ultimately, do they really own the dealership? Like, let's say there was a Champ Mercedes. Let's say there was a Champ Mercedes. Wouldn't, wouldn't Champ, the guy himself, or whoever sold the car, be responsible? Yes, it was through a it was through a Mercedes deal. It was through a Mercedes specialized dealership. But is it really their dealership? You know, you know, like how Tesla wanted to have their own dealerships, and that's not that that's uh, against the rules here. Well, what if what if it happened like that? Are Mercedes directly responsible, or is that one dealership responsible because that they own the dealership and they authorized the sale? I don't. I think I think it would be the second one rather than Mercedes directly, but. If he got if he got the car through a true family family owned dealership, like one of those in a small like one of those dealerships in a small country, then no, Mercedes Mercedes are not responsible. They didn't break any laws. They didn't sell the car to Kim Jong Un. They didn't. It's not their fault. However, if it was through an official dealership, then uh, yeah, some legal practices, some legal problems might come up, and might have to talk to a lot of people, but. Either way, it doesn't, as far as I know, it doesn't actually say specifically. So, oh well. Mercedes-AMG embraces electrification as part of its future. As in mild hybrids, or... And I guess when they mean electrification, they mean full-on electrics. Hyundai venue N-Line considered full-blown N not being ruled out. 
ruled out either. And by the way, there's a new Hyundai that I need to get to. Basically, it's uh, it's Hyundai Stonic. I kid you not, it looks like Hyundai's own Kia Stonic. Toyota Yaris Spider on the Ring, is it a next-gen performance version? It looks like it. That is just getting a lot wider, which would be sad. Odometers rollback are more common than you think. Could impact 1.6 million vehicles. Oh, dear. I'll tell you what, every now and then, when I'm on, when I'm on Craigslist just messing about, and I see a car, I see a car that has, like, it has 53,000 miles on it. And it's a, it's a 90s, maybe early 2000s everyday car. And, it, and it's in garbage condition. I'm thinking either they rolled it back, or they're neglecting one one zero in that, and it's really five hundred and thirty thousand rather than fifty three thousand miles, which is not only a shame but fraud and lying in advertisements. I think most importantly of all, or sorry, it's, is it misleading, misrepresenting? Either way, it's false and fraudulent. Going through Craigslist right now, nothing immediately interesting except for a 75 Plymouth Duster that's 8200 bucks in I forgot where it was looks cool it's in a baby kind of like grandma church car blue but it doesn't it doesn't say in a mile oh 52,000 original miles I almost believe that but I mostly don't why do I mostly not believe that it's a 1975 Plymouth Duster in and it's not even what looks to be you know one of the cooler collectible ones and due to that I highly doubt it has so little miles on it. Maybe it does, and that would be excellent. It looked it looked really cool, but I have I simply have my doubts. Let's see. Let's get onto this odometer. Is it odometer or odometer? <laughs> which one? Which which way do you guys say it? Anyway, let's get onto this topic. You don't hear much about odometer rollbacks these days, but it's probably more common than most people realize. As part of an investigation into the issue, NBC12 talked to Carfax's Chris Basso. My apologies revealed there are approximately 1.6 million vehicles in the United States which have had their odometers rolled back. That's a shocking number and Basso said it costs customers millions of dollars as buyers are typically willing to pay more for a vehicle with lower mileage. Unfortunately the process of rolling back an odometer is pretty simple with the help of an inexpensive device that connects to a vehicle's computer. In less than 30 seconds Basso and a technician demonstrated how a 2006 Chevrolet Silverado with 230,323 miles could be reprogrammed to show 130,483 miles. That's a huge difference, and one that could be profitable to an unsuspecting seller. Unscrupulous seller. Also, I looked up his last name. Apparently, it's pronounced Base because it's Italian. Not sure I completely believe Google Translate on that one. As Base noted, the truck should be worth about $3,700, but after being rolled back, it could fetch over 8000 Okay, don't get me wrong. They they took off, give or take, 100,000 off the odometer. But 130,000, that's still a lot of miles. It's worth eight grand? That, that's... I think that's overselling it. <laughs> that That's going a bit... Either way, that's still uh, a bit fraudulent. According to Carfax data, which doesn't list every state, odometer rollbacks are common in Texas, as they found over 174,000 suspected cases. Other hotspots for illegal activity include Florida, 63,290, Georgia, 60,368, Illinois, 60,228, and Virginia, 51,154. Of course, these aren't the only states with large numbers of rollbacks as Arizona, Colorado, I feel sad now, and Michigan all had more than 30,000 incidents of suspected rollbacks. 
Carfax estimates nearly 200,000 odometer roll, odometers are rolled back every year, but thankfully there are a few steps people can take to prevent becoming a victim. The company offers a free odometer fraud check, which only requires users to enter a vehicle identification number, oh, enter a VIN, and their email address. Why? I mean, why? Carfax and competitors are also offer more extensive reports for a small fee. That's a good place to start, but common sense also factors into the equation. If a car looks unusually rusty or beat up, but has low mileage, do some digging or just walk away, which I have certainly seen on Craigslist. You fraudulent, fraudulent Craigslisters. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> anyway, let's see. Eight grand in Craigslist. Because that, uh, that dust dry channel was 8,500. 8, Not much. No, sorry, 82. It was 8,200. And like I said, apparently I had 52,000 original miles, but I'm still very skeptical about that. Not much. That's totally interesting. Speaking of Craigslist, I've been looking at... I've been trying to see how many Dodge Vipers are for sale. I, I would say in the area, but you're not going to get that from a from Craigslist ads. But I have been trying to see how many Vipers are for sale in Colorado right now. And the answer is not many and mostly Gen 1 or 2s. Let me just check what it's at right now. There are... Actually, there are a lot of SRT trucks. SRT trucks. Or SRT Viper trucks that are... Uh, for sale that that seems to be the one common common thread every time i type dodge viper there's always at least one or three of those viper powered trucks anyway right now there is one there is a 2017 viper gtc coupe that's 69,500 because it's it needs to be fixed a little bit a 94 dodge viper rt rt10 for 31,000 in colorado springs it looks pretty good it doesn't i don't think it has the wheel the the hubcaps there's also a 2006 Dodge Viper SRT10 convertible, and there's two Red Vipers, and that 2017 one is a anodized carbon, but that, that 2006 is 54000 So you could either have a nice $54,000 uh, nice $54, 2006 Viper that's not, as far as I see, not broken, or you could have a more modern 2017 example, but you'd have to fix it. And, and it's not that bad. It's just some visual damage, some bodywork damage, as far as I can see, but of course... You could argue that it's that it could be worse elsewhere. 2020 VW Atlas Cross Sport aims to be a mainstream crossover coupe. Uh, I'm kind of bored of that. I'm kind of bored of these crossover coupes, especially when the Cayenne, the Cayenne coupe came. Kia wouldn't say no to a pickup, but SUVs and sedans come first. Mitsubishi wants a new pickup for America, and it could be based on the next frontier. 2020 Jeep Gladiator is more than just a Wrangler with a bed. Oh, right, that was a video. That was on video. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. I will see you all after the break, and this next one's going to be really short because I'm well, well over. Are you a huge fan of Cody's Car Conundrum? You can now purchase Cody's Car Conundrum merch, which is long sleeve and short sleeve shirts on www.tidyurl.com slash merch. Now back to Cody at Cody's Car Conundrum. Alrighty, we are back for the final time. 2020 Corvette C8's new logo and script revealed will bow on mid-engine model. Sorry. Apparently it's going to debut on the 18th of July. Mopar is now taking orders on its $30,000 Elephant 1000 horsepower crate engine. Prosecutors investigating VW executive who received bonus payments while suspended. Daimler sees an opportunity to pool, to pool our technology resources with BMW. Aston Martin teases manual Vantage AMR. It'll be out next week. 2020 McLaren Grand Tour caught wearing even tighter camo. 
Fire alert! Some BMWs could erupt in flames even when not in use, and that sounds like a recall to me. Cadillac will add 200 dealerships in China by 2025 to support its growth. Bugatti Devo spotted testing again and apparently looks great in matte black. I'm not a big fan of matte colors. If you reside in North America and happen to own a 3 Series, 5 Series, or Z4, then this recall notification concerns you. According to the data released by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the NHTSA, certain units of the, of the aforementioned models are included in a safety campaign that, that affects 184,505 units. The defective part is the heater for the positive crankcase ventilation, or PCV valve which may short-circuit due to manufacturing irregularities. Moisture can degrade the plastic components, leading to overheating, which, in, in the presence of fuel, could start a fire in the engine compartment when the vehicle is stationary and the engine is turned off. The recall includes certain 325i, 325xi, 330i, and 330xi E90 sedans, made between February 1st, 2006 and August 30th, 2006, as well as the 325XI E91 sports, sports wagon assembled for one week until August 30th, 2006. The 525i, the 525XI, the 530i, and the 530XI E60 sedans manufactured from February 4th, 2005 to February 27th, 2006, along with the 530XI E61 sports wagon produced from April 1st, 2005 until February 25th, 2006 are also affected. The campaign also includes the Z4 3.0i and 3.0SIE 85 Roadsters and Z4 3.0SIE 86 Coupes 2, whose production dates span between April 28, 2005 and September 29, 2006, and April 18 and September 27, 2006, respectively. BMW's technicians will inspect and replace the PC the valve heater free of charge. If necessary, other components will be replaced as well. Owners should expect to hear from the automaker by, by the automaker by first class mail, instructing them to schedule an appointment with an authorized dealer. The, re the recall is estimated to begin on May 28th, literally a month from when this is recorded and probably going up, which is the 28th of April. And that will be all for us today. I hope y'all enjoyed. I will see you soon. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And if you do subscribe, Hit the little notification bell so you're notified of all my uploads. See you soon. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.